is Marla, and I'm a partner here at Mercy View. Um, I'll be reading from 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, um, sorry, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you. My name is Brad, one of the pastors here, and uh, we're so glad that you're here tonight. Got a little cold on us, didn't it? Weather is changing. Winter is on the doorstep for sure. Um, one of the greatest servants that I've ever had the privilege to be around is my dad. And the way that my dad lived out his uh, service to God and to the church that I saw growing up was, um, one, one was a very public version of that. Um, he was a deacon in the church that, that I grew up in, and so he, he served in that respect. I mean, as long as I can remember as long as I was at the church. Um, and, and one of the other things he did, it was sort of behind the scenes, but um, man, he was the AV guy. He was running sound pretty much every week, and he just did it relentlessly, faithfully, year after year after year. But probably the, the thing that I remember the most about my, my dad, one of the ways in which he served was a very small thing. But I, I noticed it a lot over the years, and it made such a massive impact on me. But any time that we would have a, like what we do on the first Sunday of every month, a potluck, some sort of a, a dinner, a time together, or we would share a meal, my dad would literally be the very last person to walk through the line. He would not let anybody go before him um, until he was like the, the last person to go, and it made such a, a massive Im impression on me because um, he was probably really hungry, right? I mean, to be the last person in line requires a lot of restraint. You got to really be patient, and um, you know, he just would do that. And, and I noticed that year after year, just watching all these different meals that we would participate in as a church. And what I have realized now, as an adult, is is what I was seeing from my dad and all the ways that he served was that service is really about faithfulness. It's also about doing what is right and good even when nobody is watching, right? There are formal and public ways that we serve others. You know, um, I, I have the privilege of doing some of that in the job that I have here at Mercy View. And it is a great privilege, it's a weighty privilege, but that isn't the only way that you and I are called to serve God, right? Or to serve the local church or to serve the kingdom. In fact, many of us are called to serve God in very quiet ways, in ways that are behind the scenes, in ways that are even maybe private. And, and whether it is an upfront or formal kind of service, public service, or behind the scenes, more private, quiet kind of service, Service, serving God with our gifts, is a mark of a disciple. It's a mark of a Christian. Everyone has been given a gift or gifts that the Scriptures say we are to steward, right? 
When I think of that word steward, I think of the idea of being given something that I am to not just take care of, but take care of it in a way that serves other people. That's how the scriptures talk about our gifts. And tonight we want to begin to look at another facet of stewardship. Last week we looked at what it means for you and I to steward the financial resources that God has given us for this local church. And we want to talk about really the another aspect, another category of stewardship that the scriptures talk about tonight. And that is every partner, every Christian stewarding their gifts or their spiritual gifts. We are on the home stretch of a series that we are in called Deeper, where we are examining how the local church and the Christians, the members within it, are called to count the cost of true discipleship and how we are to move more deeply into fellowship with Jesus and then how that fellowship with Jesus then prompts these sort of attitudes and actions that we are to be about. And as we've said in the past, this is a kind of a family meeting. This is a moment in the life of our church where we're really wanting to really get serious and come to Jesus and ask him what he would have for us as we move forward as the church. This is a, also an outworking of our, our new ministry philosophy, the ways in which we see our vision and our values working themselves out in, in, in our actions here at, at, at Mercy View. And here's where we've been. We've said this, every partner knowing and experiencing the gospel. Second, we said that every partner should be equipped and cared for. Next, we said every partner is engaged in the work of the kingdom, really talking about the idea of mission. Trey talked with us a couple of weeks ago what it looks like for every partner here at Mercy View to be discipled and discipling others, seeing this reproduction of discipleship happening within our ranks here. Last week, again, we talked about what it looks like for every partner to steward their financial resources to fund the mission here at Mercy View. And today we want to look at another aspect of stewardship, stewarding our, our spiritual gifts. So really there's one thing that I want you to see tonight, I want to invite you to see, and it's this. Christians steward their spiritual gifts that come from God for the church and the kingdom of God to the glory of God. Would you say that again? Christians steward their spiritual gifts from God for the church and the kingdom of God of God to the glory of God. So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, keep them open to First Peter. That's where we're going to be, just a couple of verses tonight. And um, while you're looking back at what you heard read earlier, let me just alert you to like what's happening in this, this chapter in particular. Right before Peter says what, what you heard read a while ago, what Marla read for us, um, in particular verse 7 I want you to notice a phrase there. Peter says that the end of all things is at hand. Very, very like um, heavy language, right? Peter is saying that part of the perspective, the lenses we need to put on as we talk about stewarding our spiritual gifts is that we need to realize that in some way, the end of all things is at hand. And the series of directives that you see that follow verse 7 there, there's a bunch of different like commands and instructions that Peter gives here, are meant to help us see how we are to live in light of all things being at hand. 
He says things like be self-controlled, right? Be sober-minded. He says to love one another earnestly. He says to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then our text tonight, he says, in light of this, as each one of you have received a gift, use that gift to serve one another. So, first of all, as we think about stewarding our spiritual gifts in the local church in the kingdom, Peter is helping us see the perspective again that that you and I are to have. See, if we are to be good stewards of God's grace, as it says here, we must learn to live in light of something. Right? A lot of what we think about in our lives is the here and now, right? The present. And we do live in the here and now and in the present. But Peter is saying, I want you to have, as you think about serving, an eye and an ear towards the future. The soon coming end of all things, like on this side of eternity. Now, the scriptures are clear. Only God knows when that's going to be. But with that being said, there is coming a day where life on this side of eternity is going to end. Now, this doesn't throw us as Christians in a panic mode. We know who wins in the end, but what it should do, and this is Peter's point here, is that it should give us a purposefulness. Gravity that that each new day that God gives us on this side of uh, of eternity, we are to be faithful in what he has placed before us. Why? so that his gospel and his kingdom can advance. Some of you, when the new year turns around, you, you might do what are called New Year's resolutions, right? They don't last very long. They don't for me, but, but we, we typically try to take stock of the year before and think about the future. And the preacher uh, wrote a series of resolutions throughout his life, uh, most of them were written in one sitting in, night, or in, uh, in, in, in uh, the 17th century, but throughout his life he would add to those. He ended up with 70 resolutions in all. And actually early on in his list, the sixth resolution, Edward said this. He said, Beloved, be resolved to live with all your might while you might live. Reminds me of what King Solomon, the uh, the one who God gave wisdom to, What he said in Ecclesiastes 9, remember Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. And what Edwards is saying here is that he is living in light of the fact that the end is coming. So I want to be focused. This is what he's thinking. I want to be focused on making the most of every moment on this side of eternity. And Peter's point here in our passage is that we are, are going to need to, if we're going to understand stewardship, particularly the stewardship of our spiritual gifts, we need to have that kind of perspective. Like if we're going to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us, we have to see that our life is a vapor, that time is running short. And so for the time that God has given us, we need to number our days and whatever our hands find to do for God and his kingdom, we must do with all of our might. Now look with me, if you would, at verse 10 again. Let me read that for us in in its entirety. Here's what it says. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. This is one of the things that we are to do in light of eternity. 
And I want you to notice what Peter is saying here. It's a command in, in part, right? There is a command in this verse, but there is also an assumption in this verse as well. What's the command? The command is use your gift to serve one another. Peter is saying that is a directive. Like if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're a member of a local church, whatever gift you've been given, use that gift to serve another. But there is a presumption here as well. And it's that each one has received a gift. So Peter assumes what the New Testament teaches, and that is everyone is given a gift or gifts from God for the common good, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, God in His wisdom and in His grace gives Christians spiritual gifts that we are to use. It's not optional. We are to take those, those graces that the Lord has given us and to begin to think about how to use those and then actually do use those to serve others. And this brings us really to the purpose we must pursue with our gifts. The text says, as each one has received a gift, to use it. But how? Like to make a name for yourself, to, to get the approval of your peers? Like is serving other people really about you? That's not what Peter says here. Peter says, use your gifts to serve others. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we said that as a part of our ministry philosophy here at Mercy View, we want to see every partner, what we call members here, equipped for ministry. So if you add what we're talking about here, you could say it this way. Once you have identified your spiritual gifting and you are being equipped in your gift, the point is that you are being equipped so that you can serve other people. Now, I, for many of you, you're probably like, yeah, Brad, I, I know that's why we do that. But is that our attitude? Is that how we typically think about our service in the local church? Are we others focused or is it about us? Peter's saying it's not about you. It's always about others. See, God wants every part of this church body to get in perfect alignment for the work of ministry. And so if you're a partner here at Mercy View, you have a place to serve and to bless others. Even if you're not a partner with us here tonight, there's probably a place where you can hang out and serve. Now look with me if you would at verse 10 again. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And then he talks about another how. How are we to do that? As good stewards of God's varied grace is what Peter says. Now, we've been using this word stewardship a lot over the last couple of weeks, but we really haven't talked about what the actual like word steward means or what it is. In, in ancient times, a steward was typically a servant who worked in a household or an estate, and their job was to manage its business affairs. In other words, they were managing money, they were managing people, they were helping take care uh, of that estate or, or, or that household, but the stuff that they were taking care of wasn't theirs, right? Are you with me? Like they were stewards of that for someone else, a, a master of some kind. 
First Corinthians 4, 2, Paul says this about stewards. He says that stewards are to be faithful people. In other words, they're to be reliable people. They're to be um, folks that you can depend on. So a, a quality and a character of the kind of steward that would have existed as our master is entrusting to us these spiritual gifts so that we can use those gifts to serve other people. So, so we're not just partakers of God's grace, although that's a part of what we enjoy with the, uh, the mercy and grace that God gives us. We're definitely not consumers of God's grace, but rather we are called, if you're a believer here tonight, you have been called to be a faithful, trustworthy, devoted caretaker of God's grace by using your gifts to serve this church. And I love how Peter uses this phrase that um, the, 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 the way that we're good stewards it's through the varied grace of God, varied. And I love what uh, John Piper, pastor and author John Piper says about this. He says that God's varied grace comes in many colors and shapes and sizes. And this is one of the reasons spiritual gifts in the body are so diverse. The prism of God's gifts in your, uh, your church and in your life will reflect the shades of divine glory that would never come through your own prism. In other words, there's this thing that the Lord is up to as he presses his glory through the prism of our gifts, and we get to see God's grace in a multifaceted way. You and I are stewards or servants in the master's household, and we have been given gifts that we are called to be faithful in so that the gospel of, of God's glory gives this sort of the shining, the, the rays begin to shine out through us that is beautiful in ways that are compelling as other people see it too. Now look with me if you would at verse 11. Peter goes on to show us what that will look like in the church body. And for the sake of clarity, I just want to help us see one of the ways that the New Testament speaks of spiritual gifts here in verse 11. It actually might be a little confusing because it looks like Peter is separating speaking gifts from serving gifts. And in one way, I guess he is, but I don't think that is what he has in mind. In other words, he, he's not wanting us to think that somehow a speaking gift isn't a serving gift, and then somehow a serving gift doesn't include speaking sometimes. In fact, if you look at other places in the scriptures that describe spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, you'll see that all spiritual gifts are serving gifts. But what Peter is doing here is, is trying to show us that there's a kind of serving gift that, that uh, um, is in a category in and of its own. And so here's, here's Peter's aim. I believe what he's talking about here are really two different kinds of categories of, of upfront or public or speaking gifts and behind the scenes quiet gifts, gifts that are more private. And, and so let's talk about the first one. Speaking gifts are this. There are those whom God gives the gift to get up in front of a group of people and to serve them in a formal way, to teach them the Bible, to preach the scriptures. Pastors, elders, Bible teachers, it happens here on Sunday evenings. It happens in our men's and women's ministries. It even happens in our gospel communities. 
But I want to do something real quick here. I want to make sure that we all realize that at a basic level of stewardship of, of our Christianity, we all should be ready to speak the gospel to those that we work with, those that we live with in our homes, those that we live by in our neighborhood, those that we play and recreate with. Not everyone who is called to teach the Bible in a Bible class or before a crowd um, will be uh, the only ones in this category that are supposed to steward this kind of gift. In other words, if you're a dad or a mom here tonight, you steward your speaking gift by teaching your children about Jesus. And, we, and as we said a couple of weeks ago, you can give a reason to anyone who asks you about the hope that is within you with gentleness and respect whenever you're sharing the gospel with other folks, when you're sharing your story of how God has transformed you. What Peter is saying here is that whether you're an upfront teacher or preacher or not, your speech should be filled with the oracles of God, which is just another way of saying you should be ready to speak the word of God. Like let his words fill your mouth. Like that's how to be a good steward of God's diverse grace in this area of speech. But then Peter does give another way to be a good steward of God's multifaceted grace. And it's this, some of you are going to be called to serve God in your gifts in ways that are not in front of a bunch of people. They're behind the scenes, unassuming in their nature. Like maybe you have the ministry of telephone calls. Maybe you have the ministry of, of writing notes of encouragement to other people. Maybe you have the ministry of welcoming first-time visitors to our church here on Sunday evenings. Maybe you have the ministry of mercy, like when someone who comes into our worship gathering from the streets here on a Sunday night, you move toward them without even being asked. Some of you have the ministry of just quietly praying and interceding for others. God is the only one that knows those prayers, but you and him, you're doing God's work there. You're praying and interceding for other people. Peter recognizes that that, all of those things, those are examples, but if your service to God, your spiritual goes that way, that is meaningful and appropriate and needed in the church, in the body of Christ. But I want you to notice Peter recognizes that that, that comes without a lot of fanfare, without a lot of recognition, because it's typically unnoticed. So if you are gifted in that way, um, he wants to say to you, though it may be hard and it may be slow and you don't see a lot of fruit, you may even feel like you're running out of, of stamina and energy sometimes, the way that you can do good and not grow weary in that well-doing is to serve by the strength that God supplies. You see that in verse, that verse there, 11? In other words, God has resources for you, and he invites you to cling to him and to rest on him and depend on him, and then continue to go on in obedience in his service. I want you to look with me at the very end of verse 11. After telling us all this, Paul, or Peter tells us what all of this ultimately points to. Peter says that our goal and priority is so that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus. Do you see that? Peter is saying that there is actually a purpose underneath the purpose of serving the church and the kingdom. 
Right, like the end goal really isn't that the church is served and that the kingdom is served, although that is a very primary sort of thing and that should be in the forefront of our minds and hearts. He is saying that when you steward your gifts, you do it because you are longing for the glory of God to be seen through this church. You're wanting people to, to see Jesus. You're wanting them to see that we're making much of him through the way that we are serving him. And it starts to create a curiosity uh, with the people that we're around. Like we are to steward the spiritual gifts that God has given us ultimately for a glory that is not our own. It's the glory of God. Peter is saying that a passion for the church, an institution is good, but it'll only take you so far. But a radical commitment, a white hot, hot focus to making the glory of God the greatest priority in your life, it will change everything, especially how you serve. Here's the one thing I want to invite you to see this evening. Christians steward their spiritual gifts from God for the church and the kingdom of God, but ultimately to the glory of God. Now, one thing that I, I want to say right at the to uh, top of, of this topic here is, is that in many ways we're talking about um, the inverse of what we talked about last week. And let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Last week we talked about what it looks like for you and I to give of, of what God has blessed us with financially to this local church to fund its mission. And we said that we, we have some different groups here at Mercy View and and, and, and from what we can tell, think about giving in different ways. And we said that there is a faithful group of generous givers here that we're so grateful for. So there's another group of folks here that, that seem to be irregular in their giving, maybe casual in their, in their giving. And then there's another group that, that doesn't seem to be giving at all. And roughly, you could kind of break it up into thirds. And we said last week, and I hope you heard it from a, a place of, of love to you, that when it comes to supporting ministry and mission here in this local church, we need everyone to, to play their part. We need everyone to, to give of their financial resources in a voluntary, excellent, proportional, sacrificial, strategic, and grace-filled way. Everybody. But I want to say something about this form of, of stewardship of our spiritual gifts here tonight. A few months ago, uh, Trey, our staff deacon for discipleship, and Nikki, our, our ministry coordinator, uh, did a serving audit, and we looked at where our partners were serving and how many of them were serving and what that looked like. And we were so blessed to see what we, we saw. And this is why I mean it's kind of the inverse. We actually saw approximately 70% of our church serving in meaningful ways here at Mercy View. Guys, that is phenomenal. We are so blessed. And I just want to say on behalf of the elders how thankful we are for so many of you that are serving not only in just one area but, but in multiple areas. But there is a, a really great spirit of service here in this church, and we are so thankful for that. But notice I didn't say 100%. In, in much the same way, that we need everyone to give of their financial resources here at Mercy View as a part of this spiritual family. We need everyone to serve in some way here too. Just think about it like in your, your home. I think about this at our home. We, 
we have a lot of people in our house and get messy really quickly. And in order for us to get things kind of under control and get the house back in order, everybody has to play their part, like everybody. Somebody's got to take the trash out. Somebody's got to wash the dishes. Somebody's got to pay the bills, right? Like if something doesn't get done in our home, things go wrong. Things get backed up and it creates stress and anxiety and frustration. Now, in this church, as you look at your life and ask this question, am I serving in a meaningful way here at Mercy View? There are sometimes good reasons for some of you to not be serving. So I just want to name that tonight. We have a bunch of kiddos around here. There's a lot of, you know, moms and dads who are um, in, a, in a season of like, you know, hunkering down with that baby and we get that, right? So, so like for some of you, it's a season of life thing. You're just not able to. Some of you are needing a season of rest and restoration because you were serving at a very high capacity here. We want you to hear from us as, as pastors and elders here. We, we don't want folks to just like suffer through serving here. If you're not doing okay and you need a break, please let us know. We want to, want to serve you in that way. This is um, just a reality also in the life of the church. There's, there's always some kind of sickness or illness rolling through. And so, gosh, you know, we're not going to want anyone to, to serve if you're not feeling well, okay? So, like, there are good reasons for some of you to, to not be serving. That's not an exhaustive list either. But we just want you to know your elders completely understand there are sometimes good reasons for that. We are just asking everyone to consider how you can serve and if there isn't a great reason, like what's keeping you from serving? So if you're a partner here and you aren't in a, in a time in your life where you're able to do that, man, we would love to talk about why and, and explore that with you. But like if you're someone here who isn't serving and you're able to, there may be a couple reasons for that. First, maybe you have slipped into sort of a mode of, of just indifference related to serving the church. Again, I, I understand there could be good reasons for that. We would love to talk to you about that. The pastors of Mercy of you want to understand what might be in the way. Like if it's something that we need to pray through and talk through, man, we are happy to do that. Another reason may be that, that you don't know what your gift is. That's very real, right? Like so we would love to help you discover and affirm your gifts. We'd love to come alongside of you in this. So some of it just may be, man, I don't know what I'm able to do or what I'm gifted to do. We would love to help you understand that. Reach out to us, and we will talk. We'll grab lunch, coffee on us, talk more. You heard some of the needs we had earlier. John shared them, the evergreen need of, of, of kids' help, but also AV help, things like the welcome team. There are a bunch of ways that, that, that you can get involved today. We'd love to help you do that. So, friends, Christians and partners in this local church steward their spiritual gifts from God for the church and the kingdom of God to the, the glory of God. So, like, when I think about service, I think about my dad, but I think about, like, what motivated my dad to serve in that way? What really motivates us to serve in a way that that's about other people and, and serving them. And when I think about my dad, I actually think about Jesus because I think about his life and his ministry. And I think in particular of a scene that you're familiar with, it happens in John 13 in the upper room 
where none of the other disciples were thinking of like how to wash the feet of the group. Typically, it was the the uh, the responsibility of a servant. Um, it was a it was customary for them to, to to do that. But there was no servant at this point, and none of the other disciples wanted to do it. They thought it was beneath them, but who did do it? Jesus, right? Jesus rose from the supper they were having together. He took off his outer garment. He wrapped himself in a towel, and he did the thing that no one else wanted to do because it wasn't below him. And if you remember, Jesus said, I'm doing this for two reasons. The first explanation was this. He said, if I do not wash you, you do not have part in me. He was really saying, this is a picture of the true cleansing that I came to provide. Not with a bowl of water washing the muck from your feet, but the spiritual cleansing that I'm going to provide for you from the grime and filth of sin that's in your life. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to give my life to make you clean. My sacrifice for you is not below me. And unless you receive that cleansing that I give, you have no part in me. But then he gives a second reason. And Jesus says this, Now then, since I have washed your feet, I have given you an example that you should do likewise. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Don't miss this. If you have received the cleansing blood of Jesus... Like if you are clean in his sight because of his grace through the cross of Jesus, having been served by that, now you serve. Like Jesus is saying, if you've experienced the grace of God, it should be natural. It should be normal. It should be something that compels you to serve other people. And he says, having received the gift of his grace and having been given gifts to use in his service, I want you to use it to serve others. So, friends, let's listen to and and be strengthened by the great servant Jesus who served us by giving up his life for us. And let's, because of that, serve Jesus, serve like Jesus. Thank you.